Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's the yearly... Special episode. Special episode, Turner Classic Movies Film Fest. We have a secret operative that we plant yes. in this every year. <laughs> he goes undercover. Mm-hmm. Um, in disguise. In disguise. He works for uh, a lot of just other governmental agencies, mm-hmm. MI6, because mm-hmm. they really need classic movie. He's OGA. <laughs> they need He's classic, OGA. They need classic movie <laughs> intel mm-hmm. down at the Pentagon. Um, but before we introduce him, let's celebrate our Patreon supporters. Let's do it. You guys uh, keep the wheels turning. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the $50 ad tier. And we've got a couple new uh, new people for the So if you're new to the uh, show, the guys, if you go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds, for $50 a month, we will read your website and whatever small whatever you're promoting uh, on the site uh, or on the on the show. So you get the regular weekly episode, it's read, and the bonus content like this. Yeah. And the first one is uh, paparazzi jewelry. Get a red carpet look for a blue-collar price. It's just $5 a piece. Paparazziaccessories.com. That's P-A-P-A-R-A-Z-Z-I-A-C-C-E-S-S-O-R-I-E-S.com slash 8907. Uh, excuse me, 89078. 89078. The number at the end is important because that's how you support Nadra Connor. And they sent us a bunch of stuff in the mail. And it's a whole, it's like this. And, and the, they're like, this is what $100 in jewelry gets. There's right. a bunch of items Mm-hmm. And and the note was from the this woman who designs your husband. He's like, ask any woman in your life what a hundred dollars in jewelry would normally buy, <laughs> which is next to nothing. Next to nothing, like yeah. half of one thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a it's a it's pretty cool stuff. And Johnny Rulon is promoting his new novel. It's called Green Cheek: A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic, and it's available on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her immortal lover T.S. in her journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. Go to happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com, and our charity here, the Audacity Performing Arts Project, which, which produces after-school performing arts in poor, underfunded, and the lowest performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury, so help them out. Visit at cfn.audacityperformingarts.org cfn.audacityperformingarts.org. And last one, Graham, you ready? Let's do it. Bang it out. Supplyanddemandinvesting.com. Because planning for retirement should be as easy as planning your next vacation. It just takes longer. Supplyanddemandinvesting.com. Now, I went to this website, and they got a lot of different choices and uh, options, too. So it's definitely a cool place if you're just starting to invest. A lot of great ways to support the show, guys. Patreon is one of them. Also, going to these businesses if you want any of this stuff, and then letting them know you heard about them through us. See how that works? Boom. Let's Boom. get into some classic movies. Let's get into some classic movies. Uh, he wrote, uh, I believe, one, maybe two chapters in the Comedy Film Nerd Guide to Movies. The War Movies chapter. The War Movies chapter. Mm-hmm. He's been a longtime contributor to this site and the show. One of the original writers for mm-hmm. the site. And he's here for us today. On Alan his way Havey. to Vegas. On his way to Vegas. <laughs> Alan Havey. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> Good. Why didn't you, did the Aryan Brotherhood ever... Uh, Right, you guys, you can promote there, get 50 bucks from there. Hey, area. man, if, they, if, they, if, they're, really? if they're check yeah. clears. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, we can't discriminate. Yeah. That would be wrong. Yeah, yeah. come on. The Manson family, too, <laughs> yeah. if you're out there trying to get some followers. Yeah. 
Come to the Comedy Film Nerds. We got the conduit to all the freaks in America right here. Go to altright.net yes. for all of your helter skelter love. <laughs> Good to be back, guys. Uh, I, I am going to Vegas. Where are you working in Vegas? Comedy Cellar. Just opened up a room there about, no. a, about oh, six okay. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been working that club in New York for since the beginning, since 81. Which 82. hotel? Uh, the Rio. Okay. The Rio. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's uh, this Wednesday through Sunday, every week. But this Wednesday through Sunday, I'll be there with Wynn Coplets, Mark Owens, EMC, and a couple of Kyle Dunnigan will be with me and somebody else I, I don't know, but... Uh, it, it should be a fun show. It's a, here it's a fun room. The Rio's nice. I like yeah, the Rio Rio's because nice. the Rio's off the it's strip. It's all sweets, Graham. It's all sweets. It's 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 a it's a it's got all the glamour of the Vegas without like the shoulder to shoulder people of the strip. Right. The white what, trash is that what you're talking um, about? Yeah. The hillbillies, the, hillbillies, the NASCAR. <laughs> I miss those guys. Yards of beer, <laughs> flip flops at a show. I love this bar and grill, Toby Keith. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I, I worked uh, the improv in Vegas at Harris for 21 years, as you mm-hmm. both did. Yes, you know, so and that closed a couple of years ago, so I was mm-hmm. kind of bummed. Yeah, because I love Vegas because it's, it's a legacy week. club. It was like you know, you just have so many memories there. We played for yeah. so many years, and now Carl Kotursky is working for the uh, Golden Knights of Las Vegas. Oh, right on the hockey oh. team. He's there, mm-hmm. I guess, physical. Well, he started training for the 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 therapy and everything because he was like. This isn't going to last forever. Well, I think he also, didn't he hit his 20-year, like, he he started such a young age being a sound guy. He's in a union or whatever. I'm, well, I'm, he still does that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, no. I'm sure he does that, mm-hmm. you know. In Vegas, you don't quit your job. No. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'll be at the Comedy Cellar, uh, Vegas Room, at the Rio all this week. That's awesome. Great. I haven't been able to get back in any clubs in Vegas since the improv closed, so I'm glad they're opening up some new ones. Yeah. And com. that's where you can go. A-L-L-A-N-H-A-V-E-Y.com. Cool. I'll be in Tahoe in a couple weeks. I'm going to be in New York. But the exciting thing, Manchester in July. Last two weeks of July, I'm in Manchester at the Comedy Store and then London at the Comedy Store, which I did oh, last year. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had some amazing things happen to me in the last five, six years. That's awesome. Just organically, you know. So uh, that's it. But, of course, I'm here. Yes. To talk about the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival. Yeah. Now, you've how, how many years have you gone now? This this was my fourth or fifth fourth one. Th- now, uh, last two years I haven't been able to go because I was on the road. Right. An acting right. gig once in a comedy show. I couldn't mm. pass up. The money was too good. Right. But uh, this is, I love this, man. I unplug. I turn off my phone. Uh, I, I, I drive down there early in the morning. And I see four or five movies a day. Mm-hmm. That's my usual thing. And but were you able sh- to go the whole weekend this time? Pardon me. Were you able to go the whole weekend this time? I couldn't go. Uh, I only saw one movie Saturday morning because I had a gig down in San Diego. Right. Benefit because I have a, a very big heart. Yeah. <laughs> and if you pay me, it gets even bigger. <laughs> it gets even bigger. Yeah. So go to alanhavy.com. Yeah, alanhavy.com. And donate. <laughs> no, you don't have to donate. Yeah. God bless your kids. Some guys do that, though. Yeah. Donate to my podcast. Oh, really? What do you need? A microphone? Yeah. <laughs> so it was fun, but this year I did it a little differently. Even when I was available, I'd go see a movie, and just to keep the movie in my head, I'd kind of skip the next hunk of films mm-hmm. and go on and then see something else. So, because sometimes. So, to kind I, of digest the film a little bit? Exactly. Exactly, mm-hmm. uh, a good choice of words. I've used it myself um, because in the last times I've been there, at the end of the day, what was that movie I saw early? Oh, right, mm. you know. 
But it just, it's so goofy. And I'm so, this is the only time I'm, I'm a geek. I'm not a geek about anything. I like tennis and I like uh, Turner Classic movies. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I get, where I got this T-shirt. I always get mm-hmm. a T-shirt and a hat every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I park off campus on the street. I walk up. I save money in parking. I get my own sodas. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> you got your system down. Yeah, I got my system down. I use their cups when I re- refill my sodas. You know, cause it's like six bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I steal cocktail napkins. That's how. <laughs> that's how bad it is. You know Alan Avey has hotel soaps in his apartment. Yes. I can guarantee you. And shampoos. Well, you know, thank God I got another Vegas gig because I was running out of shampoo. Yeah. (laughs) So God bless the comedy seller. Look forward for the new uh, Rio hotel towels to show up at the Havey home pretty soon. No, no, I never steal (laughs) towels. Good for you. Never stole a towel with my wife. Attaboy. My mom just disposable. My dad's like, Bernice, what are you doing? Put those back. Gosh (laughs) damn it. You know. So how did it uh, how did it start out? Like, was there a big opening ceremony? There was a uh, welcome to the media mm-hmm. uh, okay. party on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and uh, that was nice. I got to meet uh, Ben Mankiewicz. Oh, great! I've only uh, met briefly at the the one a couple years ago. Ileana mm-hmm. Douglas was there. Mm-hmm. I, I interviewed her a long time ago. I had a talk show in the early '90s on Comedy Central called Night After Night, so I was able mm-hmm. to interview a lot of people. And oh, for many people, it was their first talk show. So I got, I, I broke a lot of cherries on that show. Nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I saw Doug Benson was there. You know, I think he was stoned. No, yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> no. And uh, Scott McGee, who's one of the programming executives yes. there, and mm-hmm. a really good guy. So mm-hmm. it was fun to go loosen up. And then the next night, I mean, these, this is Thursday. These are the choice of movies you have to go. The producers, to have and have not, detour, finishing school, murder on the Orient Express, or them. Wow. Oh, wow. So you gotta pick one of those movies. They they make you make a hard choice. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to see To Have and Have Not. Which is it's How about, was that? It was okay. You know, it holds up. It's a Bacall where Bacall and Bogey met. Mm-hmm. It's a Howard Hawks directed film. Walter Brennan's in it. It's it's a decent film. But what I really love about it, especially on the big screen, Hoagie Carmichael is in it the great uh, uh, composer and a songwriter. And he did a couple of interesting songs I don't remember hearing. So it might have been cut out, not on Turner, but it might have been cut out before. So that was fun, you know. What was the movie about? Um, it's kind of, uh, it was like, uh, it's like the novel to have and have not, but then they changed the story. Okay. You know. <laughs> so I don't want to, but it's a wartime uh, intrigue and espionage and in you know, Bogey plays a hard-boiled guy, and, you know, he, he won't soften up. And Bacall is 19. He was 45. Right. She was 19. This is what the movie's about. 45-year-old superstar actor meets this young 19-year-old new actress. They fall in love. He leaves his wife. They get married. And they were married for, like, 12 years. But, yeah, I mean, Bacall, come on. Right. You right. see her in this movie. It's unbelievable. 19 years old Bogey's 45 what a dirty man <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't have hashtag me too back then <laughs> he jumped on that and uh, they had a good marriage wrote it out till his death which was like 12 years later mm-hmm. you know from lung cancer and the thing is guys you see Bogey smoking in any movie he right. makes smoking look actually healthy yeah right? he really yeah. does like it's a thing to do he died of lung cancer at the end of his life and Lauren Bacall writes this in her book he was like scratching at his lungs at his chest he, he wow. really died a miserable death uh due to smoking so much so 
Put down those butts, kids. Yeah. And don't vape either. Yeah, yeah. It's and still what? bad for you. Still yeah. Vaping's still bad still for bad you. For <laughs> and, but they haven't found anything bad with weed, which why is I take my one-hitter with me when I go to the Turner Classic Movies, I get my seat, go to the bathroom, take a poke, I'm set. <laughs> I love it. So I saw... Got your is that contra- where you saw Doug? Huh? Is that where you saw Doug? <laughs> no, I was straight when I saw Doug. <laughs> yeah, okay. Have your contraband sodas? <laughs> yeah. You've had your one-hitter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my hemorrhoid pill yet. But, yeah. so, so you passed on the giant ants. Just, yeah, yeah, I had seen yeah. it recently on television, mm-hmm. and I'm you know I'm not really a boogeyman guy, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to see the have and have not with an mm-hmm. audience. And mm-hmm. I saw it at the Egyptian. It was a print. Mm-hmm. It was right. fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that's so great. We talk about this every year, but it just... It, 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 we should talk about it every year is the fact that the, a lot of the movies are prints. Yes. yes. And that there's, 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 these are movies and they're, it's important, I think, to see movies that were shot on film projected in film. Now today it's all digital and like, you know, whatever, like the, the 3D Avengers movie was cool and it's amazing technology, but to see the, the art of film, right. The shot, the, the lighting, how it was developed that's all that stuff was really important and shot on film and projected on film still has a warmth that digital doesn't, you know, doesn't quite have yeah yeah so uh, if you're a film nerd out there and you know you're saving your money I, i'd advise you if you want to have a very cool vacation that's going to satisfy you turner classic movie film festival it's it's the place to go. Mm-hmm. It really is, and it's mm-hmm. right in the nitty gritty of Hollywood around the Chinese. So you see the guys playing Batman, yeah. right? On the street yeah. Yeah. or Captain Jack, mm-hmm. and you know they're just a step away from street pr- prostitution. Right. Well, mm-hmm. Step away, or I think maybe it's side mm-hmm. side gig. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. already probably in, they're probably already one foot in that game. Graham, <laughs> you're a cruel man, but <laughs> you're right. Now everything's walkable, right? It goes from like the Egyptian to the man, and uh, all, all the ones are there. The right? The Egyptian, the El Capitan. It's headquartered at the Roosevelt Hotel, where they okay. had the first uh, Oscar mm-hmm. celebration. Mm-hmm. Great history there. You're, uh, you know, catty quarter across from the the Chinese, which mm-hmm. I still call it. You know, it's it's the Chinese theater, uh, Sid Grauman's. You know, he built the Egyptian too. Yeah, and the El Capitan, mm-hmm. and and. Uh, so yeah, you can walk around. You park your car, or you get a hotel room, and you just walk around. It's nothing but people like you who just love movies. Excuse me. And uh, this print was donated by Warner Brothers. So, oh, wow. they, you know, they get it from USC. They get it from Warner Brothers. They get it mm-hmm. from uh, the Criterion Collection or Janus. Right. You know, they know that uh, Turner is going to really be careful and protect these films and they know that people are really going to appreciate it mm-hmm. right you know so it's nice to be in that atmosphere you know people from all 50 states from around the world it, it, it's a lot of fun and then after that a movie i saw a movie i'd never seen thrown of blood kurosawa oh, oh yeah that's, that's man, a great movie oh god was mm-hmm. it good it's his retelling of macbeth yes in feudal mm-hmm. japan mm-hmm. but uh to shiron or mm-hmm. Mafuni. Mafuni. He's he Mufune. man, I'd watch that guy read a phone book. He's he's amazing. In Japanese? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I would. I I like Hello. You. Oh, it was it was terrific. Mm-hmm. And uh I had never seen it before, you know, and I kind of knew about Macbeth, but man was it good. And it's great seeing it with an audience cuz right. it was just so captivating. And that was great. And a buddy of mine who had seen it several times really hated me. He goes, I envy you. You're going to see it for the first time. 
on a big screen. Right. You it's know. it's one, and you want to talk about the warmth of film. Kurosawa, a black and white movie with that music, with his his methodical pacing, with that style of acting. I mean, it's just like that is amazing. I'm I'm way jealous too. You got to see that on a big screen because that's <laughs> and the camera work and effects they had in that film were mind blowing. No CGI, right? Yeah. No special effects. It was made in like '57, you know. Um, so, and that was the first night. So those two movies, and it was uh, they weren't right back to back. So I was able to digest to have and have not, mm-hmm. and they go into Throne of Blood, and I like that too. That's why I listen to music sometimes. Two very different films, too. Two very different films. Mm-hmm. When I listen to music, I can listen to Hank Williams and Sinatra, and then I can listen to something classical like back to back. Drives my wife crazy, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, so that was the first night. And Friday, I mean, you look at all these films: Strangers on a Train, Oh yeah, uh, Witness for the Prosecution, The Merry Widow, Intruder in the Dust, uh, Charge of the Light Brigade, A Hat Full of Rain, The Odd Couple, The Right Stuff, uh, None Shall Escape. These are all Lever to Heaven, and that's I've, I've mentioned like one tenth of the movies that were available sure. that day. I started out with A Witness for the Prosecution. And I'd seen the movie before, but again, not on the big screen. Right. Not with an audience. And there's a great twist, a couple twists at the end of that, where these a couple in front of me were going, oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, all this stuff happens there. So it was great to hear their reaction at seeing the movie for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that, again, was at the Egyptian on a print. So mm-hmm. it was fantastic. That would be a tough call because there's, like, a witness for the prosecution I've never seen. I'd love to see it for the first time. But then the part of me would be like, I got to watch the right stuff again because that I remember watching that as a kid and I love I, that movie, you know. Well, that movie came later. Oh, really? Yeah, so you could have Oh, you could have seen both. You oh, could have nice. seen both. But playing against Witness for the Pro- Prosecution was My Brilliant Career, Charge of the Light Brigade, The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, which I wanted to see too. Mm-hmm. But I, I had to make a choice, you know. And uh, But yeah, the right stuff, Sweet Badass's uh, song was playing uh, against that, The Odd Couple. Uh, I take this woman and woman of the year. So, the right stuff. I had already seen it. I'd seen. I saw it when it came out. I've seen it on television. So I wasn't really, mm-hmm. you know, too uh, amb- ambitious or anxious mm-hmm. to see that movie. Uh, but then I saw uh, the setup after uh, Witness for the Prosecution again at the same theater, the Egyptian. Robert Ryan. You know this movie. I don't know this movie. Yeah, I I didn't either. One of the best boxing movies I've ever seen. Really? Boxing, yeah. Robert Wise. The director, setup. The setup. Um, it plays in real time. There are no cuts, no flashbacks. You know, there are cuts, but it's all continuous. Hmm. And they show a clock at the beginning of the movie, and they pan, and at the end they they pull back and show you the clock. It's gone like an hour forty, however long the movie is. But. Uh, some terrific character actors and Robert Ryan's great. And he was a boxing champ back when he went to college for like three years. And uh, But it wasn't, the boxing is just brutal. It's not real boxing. It's just these guys just beating the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. But it was... Uh, does the whole place, uh, does the whole thing take place at the match? Like the whole movie? It, uh, it takes place uh, in the locker room at the match and across the street at a hotel and oh, on okay. the street. So they will cut. Oh, nice. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like they don't have a steady cam to follow. They, they will right, cut right. to the person. But it all goes by in, in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, which I, I kind of love that. And then uh, after that, I, uh, I waited a while. I had uh, dinner with my buddy Jimmy Dore. I think you all know. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Dore. Mm-hmm. He was there. And then I saw Weaver to Heaven which is a great 
uh, Technicolor Film Noir. That's, that's the only way I can see it. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to tell you about it. Gene Tierney's in it. Uh, Corna Wild. She's in Technicolor. She's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And some of the sets, there's a, at the beginning, they meet on a train. That train, I want to be on that train. It was like the reading car, you know, where people go to relax and smoke and read when train travel used to happen right. in this country. And then there's a house in uh, New Mexico they show the interiors of, breathtaking. And I saw, I saw this on television, never saw it on the big screen, so I was orgasmic. You know, I, I just love that kind it, of stuff. You not, see the details you uh, miss on it, TV. Absolutely. There's mm-hmm. no comparison. Right. There is no comparison in watching a film print <laughs> in a theater versus television. There's, not, there's no comparison at all. And listen, if you have a big screen at home, that's great. Great. And you can watch a documentary. But if you see that same documentary, and it plays at home, it's fine. But if you see it on the big screen with an audience, much better experience. Right. right. You know, because people at home, too, they don't turn their phone off. They'll pause the movie if they have to go pee or something, you know. So it kind of takes you out of the rhythm of the film. Right. That these guys, what do you call them, directors? <laughs> yeah. They, they, there's a reason they cut. There's a reason they, they want you in the seat. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so that was uh, Thursday. Saturday, I did that uh, benefit down in San Diego, so I only could saw... I only could saw one movie. I could <laughs> see one movie. And, uh, God, they don't have it up here. They don't uh, have it on this. Um, damn it. John Pierre Melville. Oh, When You Read This Letter. It's not one of his best films, but it was fascinating story. Again, a print. Again, in black and white. And before every movie, they have uh, someone from Turner come out and tell you, you know, right. thank our th- you think they sponsors. It. and. Mm-hmm. They introduced the person who's going to introduce the film. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Miller, I think, did them. Oh, and wow. I, I wasn't there for that. Mm-hmm. To give you an example. But uh, the guy that came out and introduced this movie is a great director from Officer and a Gentleman, Taylor Hackford. Mm-hmm. That, was yeah. la- that was the last good movie he made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And he went up and just talked and talked and talked. And he started talking about the plot. And that's when I plugged my ears in. And, and you know, so I, I don't want to listen to it. Because some of these people... Most of them are good, but some of them give away. Like, oh, Pop, but see, this person later on does it. I go, no, no, stop yeah. that, you know. But uh, all the TCM presenters are, are good, and some of the people they have in, they like to hear themselves talk a little bit, you know. <laughs> but uh, I just plug my ears and kind of hum quietly to myself, and people around me think I'm a, you know, they'll call the usher over. <laughs> and I'll tell you, this year, I saw eight films, no interruptions, no one behind me talking. Right. right. No cell phones went off during the movie. These are people that really respect the movie. So it, you, you are on another planet. Right. So at the end of the day, when I drive home to Santa Monica, I'm in a crazy, kind of relaxed, buzzed head. And I've also smoked some pot. But <laughs> yeah. but it, it just there's just a feeling. I, I You know... God forbid I stop working for you guys or this thing goes down, I can't get a pass. I'm going to have to pay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to go. And then Sunday, um, Sunday morning, I, and this is, this is a movie lover. You get up 7.30 on a Sunday morning to get down there to get, yeah. you know, to make sure you can see, get in the movie. Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh, oh my God. At the, yeah. chi- at the Chinese. Oh. I mean, I see it like once every eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only the second time I've seen it on the big screen. And man, it was fantastic. Yeah. And again, this woman uh, sitting a seat away from me from London, uh, she was going back to London. She went to the film festival and was flying back to London right after the movie. 
and she had seen parts of the movie, but she never saw the ending. So it was fun to talk to her after that, or you, you, you know, you talk to people. I saw Wayne Fetterman there, nice. mm-hmm. comedian, uh, film buff, and we talked. We talked. He, it was the first time he had seen Leave Her to Heaven, so we talked about that. I mean, you know, this is why you guys have fans, and you know, I just love talking movies, and I'll talk contemporary movies. But classic films, uh, I can talk. Well, once about upon a time in the West. I mean, when you see Charles Bronson's in that movie, yeah, right. And the thing about it is, he's not in the movie that much, but every time he's in it, he just commands the screen in that film. It's uh, it's amazing because that's a huge cast in that film. Yeah, and uh, it's a long uh, film. And Sergio Leone. Yeah, I think it's his best work. It, I mean, I, I dig yeah. the Eastwood films. Yep, I liked once. A, Upon a Time in America mm-hmm. with De Niro and James Wood. But I think this is his th- the top. And it's interesting, too, the way it it deserves its slow pacing. Like, if it had a quicker pace, it wouldn't have worked. Like, it really, it, it's, it's made with such care, this movie. I went to go see it because I think it was playing at the Arrow by us in Santa Monica a couple years ago. And I was like, right. man. Was it the first time you saw it in the big screen? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like Henry Fonda. It's 1968. It's It's color it's that gritty western film color that they used to do right. the way they used to shoot westerns like and the, the way the wild bunch looks oh yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like and even the older print that pops and crackles you want that yeah, it's yeah. Like you want it to pop and <laughs> yeah. crackle you want the frame to be a little dusty nah, like this was this at the chinese it was pristine yeah. but mm-hmm. it was still film right you know i know what you mean there's a re- restoration and you cannot make a movie like that today not in america America. I mean, if you you can, if you're an independent filmmaker, you got your own money. But I can imagine studio heads sitting down and watching this movie. Go, well, when's something gonna happen? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. who's this guy? I don't know who he is. It all comes together. Why is Jason Robards playing a Latino? You know, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Charl- Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is like that that pacing is something that sometimes I miss. You oh, know, yeah. when I watch a movie, I'm fine with it. But sometimes it's like, this is just, let me, let it develop. Let the, and it's not. It's, let it wash over let you. Let it wash over you. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not. And I think what happens is sometimes modern filmmakers go, oh, I want to have a low pacing like that. And then nothing, they just slow things down and they think that's what that. And it's like, no, if you watch these movies, there's so many key plot points that are happening there's key character stuff but they don't jam it up on the screen and they make you work as a viewer yes you have to go oh wait a minute oh god i think he's that guy's tied to that guy or or what's going on here well you know my dad when i was a kid watching movies with my dad i would say dad why is the guy walking down the alley and my dad says i'm watching the movie just like you yeah (laughs) i'm not i'm not trying to predict it i'm not trying to read anybody's mind just the movie yeah you know and this it's a great film well when it came out in 68 50 years ago uh i think it was paramount that did it uh i'm not quite sure uh let's see it was uh but they paramount yep they cut it Mm -hmm. they cut the film down so you get more showings in a day so it didn't get really good reaction here in the united Mm -hmm. states but in europe it was like a huge because it was the actual cut yes well yeah here's what it was here's the so the original runtime was 164 minutes the theatrical one got cut down to 145 and then they released a 137 minute version in 1970 
Yeah, you know, back when VHS... That always helps a film when there's multiple cuts being <laughs> yes. released. Yeah. <laughs> we know they're going to... The, uh, let's not show the cowboy ride all the way. Let's just show him when he gets off his horse. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> uh, a buddy of mine, I, I had uh, Lawrence of Arabia on VHS when it first came out. You know, mm. like a, a good when they restored it before DVDs. Mm. And I gave it to a buddy of mine. And he goes, yeah, I'm watching it, but I like when he's going through the desert, I kind of put it on fast forward to move. To move. I'm like what? I'm like what? It's the music and Ennio Morricone in a Once Upon a Time in the West. He, uh, the composer, uh, it's essential to that film. That it was the art and the craft of storytelling with film, and how you used the music the long wide panning shots the expressions of the actors the, the length of the take is the, specific the, the length of the take is specific the There's music a, that is yes, behind it that builds up to it mm. the lack of dialogue you know like a lot of times it's just real the characters aren't just you know well, I'm detective exposition that's supposed yes. to explain, you know, like they're just saying real laconic things because that's character driven and it, you're just supposed to make the connection as the, as the viewer, which is, which is the thing I love about those films. I, I'm sure the script was less than 50 pages. Right. When it came out, as opposed mm -hmm. to something like His Girl Friday which w it was 150 pages, but ran 90 minutes. Because right, everybody right. Was it was rapid fire dialogue. Rapid fire dialogue. Mm -hmm. Again, another Howard Hawks film. But uh, Henry Fonda called Eli Wallach because he had worked with Leone. And he goes, well, you know, it, it seems kind of weird. What do you think? And Eli Wallach said, do everything he says. Just mm -hmm. do everything that uh, Sergio Leone says, and you will come out of there looking great. So that's it. And Henry Fonda put on brown contact lenses, you know, because he wanted to look mean. And, and Leone, no, 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 no. I want those baby blue eyes because he, he doesn't play a nice guy. I think it's the only time Henry Fonda has played someone truly evil. Yeah. And that was the beauty of it. he pulled it. it off. And that's the beauty oh, of Leone. Is, Leone is like, no, no, no. Nice, tall, good-looking, blue-eyed guys right. can be fucking evil, man. Yeah, yeah. And in the West, and, and that was the thing, why this movie's so powerful, and I think when it came out, it was like, blew people away, because Henry Fonda was one of those, like, He's a well-known actor at well, the time. And also always played the good guy. He was mm, always the yeah. hero. He the was, righteous guy. Yep. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, exactly. Like um, Grapes of Wrath or uh, or not the... Um, was it Grapes of Wrath, the movie? where he, Yeah. Yeah, he does that mm -hmm. scene. He goes, I'm going to... Wherever there's a sick man, a poor... Like he yeah, gives a... Right. He was known for those types of characters giving those types of speeches. So now he's a guy that's just fucking evil. And the wrong man, Hitchcock's the wrong man where he was accused of something yep. he didn't do. And mm -hmm. they got the wrong man. It's in... You know, so he was always a... The hero now he's not even an anti-hero. He's just a bad guy. Yeah, and right. it's, and it's not even a he's not even a bad guy for noble reasons. It's not like one of no. those bad guys who's like you know they killed my family and I've just lost my no. shit. He likes killing people. Yeah, and he, <laughs> and he's doing it for some big you know wealthy guy, Land railroad Baron. guy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not doing it for anything noble. No, he's, and of course you see Claudia Clark now oh. in this movie too on the big screen in color. Va va vu. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, the thing you about see real beauty. The the thing about those movies when they would do that. I remember watching Il Postino, The Postman, right, which was mm -hmm. came out in the '90s, I think, or late '90s, 
And that was a movie that was shot, it very much felt like an older movie. And I remember the Italian woman came on screen for the first time and they, she came on screen the way they used to put leading actresses on screen back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. She came on screen and I gotta tell you, I mean, I, one of the only times in a movie theater, I've seen, I've seen, I've obviously, I've watched tens of thousands of movies. I've gone, oh, that's hot, or that's a sex scene, or oh, she's cute, well, or whatever. You know, look at Ava Gardner, wow, you know. Yeah, but this was, she came on in a, just in a, she wasn't in a sexy outfit, but the way she came on, and the way they lit it and shot it, I went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, and she wasn't in a bikini. No, she, she had her clothes on. She had her mm -hmm. clothes on, but right. she just came on, and that's how they did, and that's how they did with Cardinal in this movie, is exactly. you just go, ooh. It was yeah, all about the presence and the entrance. Yeah. This is the 1800s, so she was buttoned up top. You know, mm. maybe you saw a little cleavage later, but, you know, but you just know, oh, my God, that is a striking woman mm -hmm. and a terrific actress. Yeah, know? yeah. And then the last movie I saw, Sunday Night, was Hamlet. With uh, Lawrence Olivier, black and white. Never oh, seen it. Oh, wow. How is that? I've never seen that. It was, it was good. I mean, it's, uh, it's good. they cut part of yeah. the play out, uh, the part with uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I don't know the play that well, but Alan Cumming uh, did the intro for that. And it was very interesting because he had played it as a young actor, and he had watched the movie several times. And so he really knew the, the part, and he, he knew the film, and he, he disagreed with, uh, at the beginning, this is a man who couldn't make up his mind. And uh, Cummings' a theory on Hamlet was that everybody's after him. He's stressed out. You know, this happens and this happens and that happens. So it was interesting for him to say, I felt that was a mistake in the movie, you know, before you see the movie. And he didn't give the plot away or anything. Right. So that, that was fascinating. So I think they're going to have more Alan Cummings and less Taylor Hackfords. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, that's well the I think one of the things was probably uh, tone, the kind of thing. Like, that's kind of the comic relief of the play is those two characters. So you want to, like, uh, was it some arbitrary studio decision? Well, no, this is a serious play. We can't have, you know, two characters joking around or, or being, sure, yeah. It, they probably put know. a time constraint mm -hmm. on Olivier because he directed it, too, mm -hmm. and he, he won an Oscar. Uh, I, I don't know if he won an Oscar for directing or acting. Uh, probably acting. Uh, but uh, it was really good, and, it, and you could follow it. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, and I've seen Hamlet done. Uh, Ray Fiennes did it in Broadway about... 25 years ago, mm. 20 years ago. He was terrific. Um, but uh, it, it was great. That the, and that was the last film I saw of the night. Then I went and had dinner with my buddy Jimmy Dore again. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but they have a lot of little sideshows where Ben Mankiewicz got up and talked about his uncle and grandfather who were in the movie business growing up in L.A. Yeah. They, have, uh, they had Ruta Lee, uh, who was a young actress in Witness for the Prosecution, Mel Brooks was there to talk about the producers. And at the beginning of the festival, they gave their first uh, Robert Osborne Award for uh, achievement in cinema to Martin Scorsese. And he was introduced by, or uh, it was presented by Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, wow. So I think it's, first of all, you know, it's a great way to memorialize Robert Osborne, mm -hmm. who for me was the quintessential guy you want to talk to movies about well he was the voice and face of the network really yes, he was mm -hmm. but even before that he was a film historian yes and then they have they talk to art directors and editors and you know Ann V. Coates passed away recently the great editor for Lawrence of Arabia and out of sight uh, but she was there a couple years ago so 
you know, Mel Brooks has been there a few times. So a lot of these people may not be around for the next festival. Right. You right. know, knock on wood. Uh, uh, so now, did you see the producers with uh, no, Mel Brooks introduced? No, I'd okay. seen it on the big screen, and, mm-hmm. and uh, that was an opening night red carpet kind of thing after the Martin Scorsese thing. And my past doesn't allow me to that, but that's great. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. I, it's uh, a classic movie. I mean, I yeah, mean, classic. Zero Mustel. Zero right? Mustel, Gene mm-hmm. Wilder, mm-hmm. Uh, Kenneth Mars, the great character right. actor in it. <laughs> great stuff. But, you know, I don't have to see the big movie. Like, you know, uh, when you read this letter, French film, you know, very obscure, but fascinating, really well done. And I'm a big Melville fan. Well, the thing that's interesting, too, watching this festival is like you you, you tell the story of uh, Eli Wallach giving Henry Fonda that. So you're going you're uh, you're going into this movie with all of this history and back behind the scenes stories of how they made it or whatever the fights mm-hmm. they had with the studio or these actors didn't like it whatever. And I think that's so much enhanced characters being cut out. Yeah, you know, and they dubbed all the dialogue, even for the English. They they dubbed all the dialogue. Wow. So uh, for Italy, they dubbed it in Italian, you know, and for America, they dubbed it in English. Uh, so that was interesting because I'd always noticed that the sounds always kind of weird or the whips, and I go, okay, now I know why. Mm-hmm. You know, I found that out. John Sales got up, talked about Once Upon a Time in the West. So it's interesting to see these big directors or editors, or whatever, they're just like us. They mm-hmm. saw they they love movies, or you know, and then you find out Henry Fonda. Yeah, I'll give Eli Walk a call. You know, yeah. he'll he'll take my call because I'm Henry Fonda. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Or is it, maybe they never worked together before. You know, um, though actors will call because actors are so insecure. And Henry Fonda was very insecure, according to his daughter, his son, and the people that worked with him. He could be very insecure, uh, but you know, certainly doesn't come across that way on screen. No, you know, lights up the screen. Well, well that's the thing too. Is um, also, what you're watching is is why it's like a museum. Is it's a bygone era of the studio system, you know? Like you were under contract with this studio, and you did right. what they told you to do. You did. You're going to do X amount of pictures per year, yeah. kid. You're going to do a musical. Mm-hmm. You're going to mm-hmm. do a comedy. You're going to mm-hmm. do a western. You're going to, you know, you're going to do right. a World War II movie. And so to watch actors in that operate in that studio system and the same thing too with the directors had contracts and everybody had contracts in the studio system to see these movies i mean they worked lauren bacall over and over oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well uh or they they'd punish uh an actor they'd loan you out to one of the lesser studios you know it happened one night the only reason that columbia got clark gable from mgm is he's being punished and so they went him out, and uh, Frank Capra went after Claudia Colbert and just offered her a lot of money. And that movie came together, and, you know, it was the first movie, you know, since before Cuckoo's Nest to win all, not Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Silence of the Lambs was the next movie after that. So you have it happened one night, 1935, winning Best Picture, Best Director, Actor, Actress, and Writer. And it didn't happen from 35 until they made... Uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs, what, 1990? 90, 92, 93, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a little earlier. But, you know, so you have Clark Gable being punished at, and to work at, at Columbia, which was known as Poverty Row. Right. You know? <laughs> and he gets his first Oscar, and I think his mm-hmm. only Oscar. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that was the other thing, too. The like, well, this is who you're going to date. 
Yeah. This is who you're going to, you know, you're going to go out with this actor, this actress, yeah. and I want you guys to show up at this club in Hollywood mm-hmm. and there'll be photographers there. And Or if you're gay, uh, we're going to hush that yep. up, but you're going to marry this woman. Yep. You know, go ahead and have your boys do, right. do, do what you need to do. But like Ellen DeGeneres, when she first started her sitcom, the executives, you got to stay out of the gay bars. You can't go into the yeah. the lesbian bars. And then finally, because of changing time, she was able to come out on, on the, the show. show yeah. yeah. And it was a big deal, and some some well, affiliates didn't carry it, and all this crazy stuff. A movie that celebrated that era in Hollywood was the Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar. Where right. You actually saw, you saw the fixer, you saw how the actors were treated, and you saw the um, the blacklisting of the, and you, but you saw the studio system, and then you know the gossip uh, columnists that were always hanging around trying to get scoop on the, the actors. Twin sisters. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was in that so, movie. Yes, so that's right. I forgot yeah. you are. You yeah. were in that movie. You yes. were at the uh, table with the uh, religious uh, leaders. Yes, mm-hmm. I played a minister. Mm-hmm. And Mary Boy, did I work my ass off for that audition. <laughs> I did more homework for that audition than I've done mm-hmm. for any audition. Really? What'd you do? I just sat down. I said, who is this guy? Okay, it's 1951. He's a minister. Okay, he was probably in the war as a chaplain. Came back to L.A., back from the Pacific. Said, honey, we're going to live here. He's from Georgia because I gave him a southern accent. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give the Cohen brothers a real character. So he moved his wife and family out to L.A., and they're bringing him in for this to ask his opinion. Well, he's honored, and his wife is saying, get Myrna Loy's autograph if you can. You yeah. know? Just, so I had to play excitement but honored, and also I have an opinion. So I had all, kind of all this going on, and I'm sitting across mm-hmm. from this very crabby, uh, irritable rabbi. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ was just a man. This is all... This is all bullshit. These guys are clowns. <laughs> and then you have the, the Greek guy. When he brings up a, a question, I just kind of look at him. Well, yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, I really had to be uh, something other than what I was to be. And I went and was put on tape. And then they, the Coen brothers called me in to run through the same scene. And, uh, man, it worked. It, it was, I'm just sitting there. You know, doing it, and they're laughing. Then they're laughing more, laughing more. I go, man, this is. And then, like a week later, I got called and said, "You got the part." Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So that, and that's another one off the bucket list because I've mm-hmm. always wanted to work with those guys mm-hmm. since I saw Blood Simple, which came out thirty years oh, ago. Right, you know, so great. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm going to work with these guys someday. Okay, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be, you know, for thirty years. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> they'll still be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll still be making movies. Yeah, <laughs> and they are so. Um, well, and I was, I think I was talking to you earlier, the stuff that's happened to me in the last five, six years, getting on Mad Men. Yeah. Now I'm on Billions on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to work with the Coen brothers. I got to punk Kanye back before he went nuts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> unpunked. So I really, I'm really enjoying this ride I'm on, you know. And then I met, uh, you know who Jimmy Carr is? English mm-hmm. comedian. Yeah. The game show host. Ran into him at the Comedy Cellar in New York several years ago. We started talking. We're both tennis fans. And he goes, well, if you're ever in London during Wimbledon, I can get you in. And it was like, don't fucking hurt me. Yeah. yeah. Don't just. <laughs> and I was like, and I didn't do it the first year because I don't like to work people. But then we stayed in touch with emails. And he goes, hey, you coming this year? And I said, yes, the next year. So I went to London and Jimmy, and I, unbeknownst to me, we got there. It's a huge star. He's massive over there. And so this first lunch we went to, a lot of celebrities and stuff. Then he took me to a party at Hampton Court where Henry VIII used to squire away his mistresses and go hunting. And 
And I walk in, the first people I meet are Rupert Murdoch and Jerry Hall. Oh, my God. And then, this is right after Brexit, uh, Nigel Farage, who was the architect of Brexit. It was, it was like meeting Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm walking by this table, and I'm sitting next to Rob uh, Codry, you know? Yeah, yeah. And... And then I'm walking by this table, and I see this hat, and I pick it up, and I hear, are you stealing my hat? I said, why would I steal this piece of shit? And <laughs> all these people laughed, and I handed it to the guy. And uh, it was Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, and Maggie Smith. <laughs> and uh, so I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, I'm me. You know, I'm just like, oh. So I said, hey, you guys mind if I said, please sit down, and stuff like that. <laughs> but I had a little cachet because they, they knew me from Mad Men, which is mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. popular even on Netflix over there. So that was fun. But then we went to Wimbledon. And oh. I sat court. I saw Federer. I saw Serena Williams and Andy Murray. And, and hung out with Jimmy, who's a terrific guy, very funny comedian. Mm-hmm. And so and I didn't maneuver for any of this. You know, they say, you know, go hang out at the Four Seasons, go hang out somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just kind of meet people, you know, organically. I, I guess if I hustled, I'd probably meet more. But, you know, like uh, John Cleese came to Hermosa one night. I'm working down there. And uh, he has a daughter, Camilla, who works. So he just came down one night. Mm-hmm. We hung out. We talked with Jim Short. And Cleese says, I want to take you guys out to lunch. And we said, okay. So I, I, I spent like a two-and-a-half-hour lunch hanging out with Jim Short, John Cleese, and, and Camilla. Oh, that's awesome. And it, it was fantastic, you know. Does he live in L.A.? John no, Cleese? he lives in London, but he comes, he, he comes back and forth. Mm-hmm. And he had a gig last summer just touring the United States with the Holy Grail. Oh, um, really? And showing the film and then going out for a Q&A after. Oh, wow. I, I think I've been on a couple of shows with his daughter. She's like tall and yeah. blonde. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw him and Eric Idle. They did a uh, uh, a tour mm-hmm. together, like just him and Eric Idle. And they showed archival footage of like before Monty Python and all this stuff. And they would talk <coughs> about it. They would do some old sketches. And just it was, it was last year. It was a uh, it was a great show. It was just those two guys just talking, telling stories. And it was fantastic. Yeah, very funny guy. Mm-hmm. And... and interested in you and great sense of humor so when you make John Cleese laugh you go okay that's one off yeah <laughs> my favorite story though is not about me Jimmy Dore who we both know mm-hmm. comedian and uh, terrific guy he's in Malibu at this small theater doing a stand up he's this old guy out there laughing his ass off afterwards the old guy comes up to him and says to Jimmy he goes hey I wish I had your timing it was Dick Van Dyke Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. And so, you know, when people say, what are the benefits of show business? That's one you can't buy. You right. can't manufacture. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think it's, to me, uh, the being in show business, it's all of these little crazy things that you, it's things that, that when you tell your friends back home that have regular jobs, and you're like, hey, this thing kind of cool. And they're like, what the, you got to do what? And it's like, yeah, yeah. it's really it's really awesome when we get to do these things and cross paths with people who you're like, wow, that person has done a lot or they, you know, they were influential or whatever. And we get like, yeah, we get free tickets to a ball game with them or whatever, you know, yeah. it's, it's, we hung out or it's, it's, that stuff's the coolest. Lunch with John Cleese. Yeah. <laughs> it's the coolest well, that, thing. Yeah. That happened just by accident, you know, mm-hmm. but like, even when I was a bartender in New York, when I first got out of college, went there, I met the bar one night guy. He says, I got a couple tickets to uh, see, uh, the uh, premiere of La Boheme at the Met- Metropolitan Opera House, opening night. Would, would you like one? I go, I, I can't afford it. No, I'm, I'm giving it to you. So I'm not a knowledgeable about opera, but I went. I put on the best clothes I had and went, and, man, it was mind-blowing. 
and it was Pavarotti. It was dra- uh, directed by Zeffirelli, and it was beautiful. It was, and then I went down to the lobby between acts, and there's every major celebrity in New York, and I'm just standing behind a post, going, "Oh wow!" Well, <laughs> but you know, you you've got to put yourself in the business. So if you're a young guy out there, you want to be a filmmaker, go to New York, go to L.A. You can you can make your movie anywhere now, which is beautiful because of technology. Mm-hmm. Or listen, there are people in Georgia right now been working on The Walking Dead for 15 years mm-hmm. or however long yeah. that's been going on. But uh, it's good to be in towns where the business is happening. You know, I just ran into a guy who goes, yeah, I'm going to Arizona, a room with a guy. We're going to write a screenplay down there. I'm like, well, don't write it down there. I mean, you can, and it could be great. You, but you're in L.A. now. Have him come here. Find a place here. So you can go around and see old movies or, yeah. you know, go to... Immerse s- yourself. Yeah, yeah. there's seminars mm. like at the Arrow Theater. I, I don't know who spoke that night. Maybe nobody did. But usually when I go to the Arrow, I saw Farley Granger there, Strangers on a Train, and talk for like mm-hmm. an hour. You know, this is like two years before he passed away. Yeah, two, three years ago, I saw um, Yojimbo and... Another samurai movie by the, I always forget his name, <laughs> the lesser known samurai film director from the era of Kurosawa. Everybody knows Kurosawa, but there's one right. other guy who did a bunch of really great films. Uh, and the movie he did had been remade. And it was just, you know, where can you go watch two back to back, you know, black and white Japanese subtitled samurai movies? You know, <laughs> and then have the director come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's there's someone that worked in the movie or something. Maybe you can go somewhere. to Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you can go. Yeah. <laughs> or you can yeah. go to L.A. You know. Yeah, maybe it's the new Beverly, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's yeah it's such a cool thing. So so to wrap up, like uh, anything else you want to talk about the festival? Like uh, what else? I'm going to the Edinburgh Festival so. in Scotland this year. I've never been before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard about it for years. Uh, basically just doing stand-up stand up mm-hmm. show hour a night except for one night and it's for like three and a half weeks so it's going to be is it the fringe festival yeah mm-hmm. i guess that's what they mm-hmm. call it you know mm-hmm. and uh, everybody's oh you're gonna have a great time and stuff like that i got already got my airbnb and i you know i have to fly myself over another guy's underwriting it so that's good but i might make money i might not you know, I'll have to promote it. And that's why if you're going to the Edinburgh Festival, see my show, Alan Havey. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, um, you know, uh, also, if you're new to the sh- new to listening, because we've gotten some new listeners, it's uh, the Comedy Film Nerd's Guide to Movies uh, is a really, I'm very proud of the book that we made. And Havey's chapter on war movies is so fantastic. You've mm-hmm. heard his knowledge on classic movies. That's why we had him come in and write a chapter. So it's like. And you guys got me into Turner classic movies. That's why I will yeah. always be loyal yeah. to you. <laughs> Unless it becomes an Aryan Brotherhood site. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, you can check out the book. We have it at Comedy Film Nerds. Uh, it's signed, but uh, it's also on Kindle, on Amazon, wherever else mm-hmm. you want to get It's a really books. good book. It's, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed reading that book. Yeah. yeah, man, it was really, it was such, it took us a fair couple, two, three years to make, but it was such a cool process and to get everybody's, right. you know, the thing we loved about it was each chapter, each writer had their own tone and feel, but the overall tone of the book was consistent within all of these different, it was, it was such pa- a what, passion, really yeah. Yeah. Movies, yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. passionate about this genre. You know, like we would get people like, I really want to talk about this genre of films. And they would always give some great personal story why 
like you talked about going to the movies with your dad when you were a kid in your chapter. Saw the longest day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how that impacted your view of war. So then when you were a comedian and did some like war zone tours, like you were, and and all of that is in in, in each chapter. Like when I did the, the crime, the gangster one, I talked about growing up in Chicago and Cops and robbers. Cops and robbers, mm-hmm. and there were mob hits, and I knew mob dudes, and it was just like in Chicago, and how that influenced, you know, watching a movie like Thief, because it was like that was going on in Chicago right. when that was happening, and so it was. Mm-hmm. It was that. That's the thing why I love about that book. So, so any um, any final thoughts on the TCM festival? Um, I, I go through a depression when it's over. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I really do. I, I love the atmosphere. I like the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like it's part time capsule too, which you just go, like you said, you go into another world, which is awesome. And and you see movies that remind you, even if you don't see the movie, you go, oh, I remember when I saw the right stuff, or I remember when I yeah. saw Witness for the Prosecution, or uh, I remember, oh, who was I with? I remember, you know. It brings you back emotionally to that time when you saw that movie, how that movie affected you, where you were at in your life. You know, like that's just you telling me that was, I was like, oh man, Murder on the Orient Express. I remember we uh, were living in Germany when I was a kid and there was this theater called the America House and they would play American movies. Some that just came out because it was hard to find English speaking movies. This right. is in 1975 and 76. But I remember watching Murder on the Orient Express in that theater as a kid in Germany. Interesting. And it was our like connection back to the state. This is pre-internet. This is pre <laughs> And it's it's a film uh oh. is not not American at all. No. It might be American made, American actors a few, but uh yes, it, it it's fascinating. Well, of course, film is the most powerful art form. Yep. I mean, uh, to me, I, I listen, I love art. I when I go back to New York, I go to the Mat, I go to MoMA. Uh, you know, I try to see as much art as I can. Uh, but the film is powerful. Uh, that's why Clark Gable had to come out after he did It Happened One Night. He took off his shirt. He had no undershirt on. The women went nuts in the theater. Men stopped wearing undershirts after that movie. And sales dropped by like 67%. <laughs> wow. So Clark Gable uh, did a short. Uh, you know, I, I like to wear undershirts. And I always, I, that was just for that movie. But I always like to wear undershirts. Like, you know, come on, we're, we're, we're losing our shirts. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it, and it affects people to listen, I drank Schlitz for two years because uh, Clint Eastwood, you know, had it in Dirty Harry. And Schlitz is, you know, not a great beer. Mm-hmm. And then I found out his beer was Olympiad. I go, son of a bitch. <laughs> I, I drank Schlitz for two years, but I was in college then. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, film, other than even that, is is very powerful. Product placement's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Or in that instance, non-product placement. He's missing a shirt. It In fact, it, uh, it, it uh, changed the way people buy shirts. It's hilarious. And I saw a great film I had never seen before, uh, A Man Escaped by Robert Bresson. It was made in 56. You can look it up. It's pure cinema. It is unbelievable. I saw that in Turner Classic Movies. So uh, obviously not everyone can go to the festival. It's expensive to get to L.A. and and do it, but it will be worth it if you love movies. But, you know, if you're not watching Turner Classic Movies, you don't know what's going on. No. Right. You know, it, it is the best museum in the world. And it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. You can access from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I can't speak more passionately about it, more lovingly than that. Well, we're always uh, happy to have do this episode. And yeah. uh, it, it kind of brings us back to 
you know, our childhoods too, mm-hmm. and the movies we grew up on, you know, just watching on everything from UHF to old VHS tapes when we would actually go and browse in a video store to get mm-hmm. to see old movies. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is great. Thanks again for going. Oh, thanks for having me. AlanHavey.com. You want to find out what's going on. Still doing the stand-up. Still digging that. So. Go see him in Vegas. Go see yep. him in Edinburgh. Or Tahoe. Or Tahoe. Or Tahoe. Mm-hmm. Or New York. I'll be in New York, too. There you go. All right. Or London. Or Manchester. Come on. Come on. Get, what, get, get Alan, up off your ass. Alan, Alan Havey never sleeps. <laughs> it, that's why they call me International. Yeah. Huh? Come on. <laughs> Still got it, guys. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Aaron Brungart and everybody here at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.